0: When we gathered here for our Christmas Eve Eve service, there was a word that we talked about. It was a word that's used a lot in the Bible. In fact, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew word that we translate as this English word, it shows up more than a thousand times. And then its Greek counterpart in the New Testament shows up more than 200 times. It is this word that the scriptures repeat over and over and over again. And we came across it a lot as we were looking at the Christmas story. It's a word that we translate into English as behold, behold. behold. So behold is not a word that we use much anymore. It's, it's not one that you have in, in everyday conversation unless unless you happen to show up at the Stodensky family Christmas the next day. And you find this sign on the door greeting you. Behold! You're at the Studensky party. This word that never gets used was used everywhere. There were all these little tiny signs saying, Behold the napkins! Oh, behold the silverware! Behold the salad! Behold the pasta! It was behold everywhere. Everywhere, everywhere. With the rare exception of a sister of mine who likes to have a little fun at her brother's expense, The word, behold, even though it was used a lot in the Bible, is not a word that's used much anymore. One of the things that really struck me, in fact, it caught me by surprise, was how little people who are translating the Bible even use it. I looked at multiple translations going into Christmas Eve Eve to make sure that this wasn't just a word that was repeated just in the the translation I normally look at. And I looked at the NIV, which is a great Translation and usually it does an exceptional job of taking. Okay, here's how we speak in everyday language, and here's good scholarship and bringing those together. When I looked up the word behold in NIV, you know how many times it showed up? Not 1,200, once. Once. This same word that in Hebrew, in the Old Testament, it's, it's there more than a thousand times, in Greek, it's there more than 200 times in the New Testament. It was only used in that translation once. What's my point? My point is this, and there's a place to write down this point because it's so great. The Bible often repeats. The Bible often repeats words and themes and stories. Isn't that true? You notice that? The Bible repeats certain words a lot. It repeats certain themes a lot. And it even repeats certain stories a lot. We live in a culture that's very different. Than that. We live in a culture that so values variety, sometimes it forgets the power of repetition. How do we learn the alphabet? Through repetition. How do we learn a language? Through repetition. How does a musician master their instrument? Through repetition. How does an Olympian win gold? Through repetition. How does a preacher make a point? Through repetition. (laughs) The Bible is filled with words. The Bible is filled with words and themes that are repeated over and over and over again. And one of those themes, the one we're going to look at today, is remember. 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 It's hard to do this message because next time we meet, we're going to be in a new decade. Has that sunk in at all? Because it is just barely sinking in here. Next time we meet, We're going to be a new decade. And so, of course, what I'm excited to talk about is what's coming up. Because we're going to have an amazing year ahead. But what I want to do is I want to take, and what we want to do, is take a playbook from the Scriptures. Let's hit pause before we go forward. Let's remember. Let's remember. Let's reflect on this powerful theme that the Bible repeats over and over and over again, the theme of remembering. And let's begin with this question. Why is the Bible filled with so many reminders to remember? There's all kinds of reasons why the Bible reminds us to remember. Let me just quickly give you four. Quickly four. Now, just as we came across the word, and we'll set this up a little bit, just as we came across the word behold multiple times as we dug into the Christmas story, we came across reminders to remember multiple times when we were doing our series this fall on immigration and refugees. Here's an example of one of those texts. This is from Leviticus chapter 19, verses 33 through. 34 and if you don't have a bible at home we would absolutely love for you to go home with one free today we keep each and every week a stack of them there in the back and we encourage you to to take one home as a gift to you here we go leviticus chapter 19 verses 33 34 says this when a stranger sojourns with you in your land you shall do him no wrong you shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as a native among you you shall love him as yourself here comes a reminder for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. In Leviticus 19, what happens here is there's a connection. There's a connection between something that Jesus later referred to when he was talking about the greatest commandment, right? This whole idea of loving our neighbors ourselves. The author of Leviticus connects that with this idea of remembering, remembering that you were in this place, as you try to live out this principle. So that brings us to one of the things that remembering can do. Place right this in your notes. One of the many things remembering can do is this. Honest, thoughtful reflection can build relational bridges. It can build relational bridges. This fall reflected on how the entire tone, the entire tone of the national conversation on immigration and refugees could be so different if we all just pause to remember our own stories. And to try to say, how can we advocate for laws and language and behaviors that we would have applied to ourselves or to the people that came before us? Remembering. Remembering it can build these relational bridges. It can rebuild them all over the place. Just trying to remember what it was like to be a kid. Remember what it was like to be a teen. Remember what it was like if you ever struggled financially. Or remember what it was like to be lonely or sick. Remembering what it's like to be the new person. Remembering what it's like to make a mistake that you regret. Right? When we go there, doesn't it help us connect with others who are going through it? Right? That's just one thing that remembering could do. We could spend a month on that. Let me go give you two more examples right now. Here's two more. Numbers two and three. Honest, thoughtful reflection can help us learn from mistakes can also help us learn from what worked and why it worked. And I was trying to think of a concrete example of this, and the first one that came to mind was video games. It blows me away that they have these massive video game tournaments where there are big dollars at stake. So let's all think about this. Let's say you were in one of these tournaments, one of these video game tournaments, and a million dollars was on the line. million dollars. Would you want on your team somebody who was learning from their mistakes in their games and getting better and better and better and better? Or do you want someone who is just like, they didn't care. They didn't learn anything every time they fell off Rainbow Road, which is me every time I ever played that crazy Mario Kart game, right? You want someone who's getting better and better and better. They're learning from their mistakes. They're getting better and better and better, right? That's the kind of person you want on your team. All right, here's, here's another example. I read an article this week, Harvard Business Review. In the study that they quoted they discovered that employees who spent just 15 minutes at the end of their day reflecting on their lessons learned performed 23% better 10 days later. Just 15 minutes a day reflecting. In this particular occupation, they got 23% better just 10 days later than people who didn't pause to remember. If you find yourself getting in the same arguments over and over and over again, if you find yourself repeating patterns in relationships, if you find that, man, I'm always tired, I'm always stressed, I'm always anxious, I'm always firing further and further further behind, one of the best things we can do, right, is look back. What are the mistakes that I made? What are lessons that I could learn? What worked and why? Well, Over and over and over again, the Bible uses a term, stick, stiff-necked people, especially in the Old Testament. You go in there, you're going to hear this term, Hard to say, but it's there. Stiff-necked people. And that phrase is used to call out people who did not learn from their past. And one of the biggest blind spots that those stiff-necked people had was their failure to remember the goodness and the greatness and the faithfulness of God. And there's a place to write this one down too. If you didn't write down any of the other three, lock into this one. Honest, thoughtful reflection, can remind us of God's goodness and his greatness and his faithfulness. This has been a hard year for a lot of people. Can I get an amen? Hard year. I remember looking out at the first service and every section had multiple people who had lost loved ones. You know, this has been a hard year for a lot of people. Hard year. I know a whole lot of people who can't wait to turn the page on 2019, but guess what's waiting for us in 2020? <laughs> Probably some more hard stuff. In fact, there may be challenges coming up in 2019 and 2020 that are harder than the challenges that we faced individually or corporately to get you know in 2019. More than anything else, more than anything else, let's remember we don't have to navigate life alone can I get an amen to that? We don't have to navigate life alone. Let's open our Bibles once more, this time to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15. And the first thing we're going to do is something I never say to do. Let's just look at this verse out of context. All right, let's do that. Let's look at this verse. Out of context, Deuteronomy chapter five, verse 15, out of context says this, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Now, if you just stopped there and you didn't read it in context, this verse would look almost identical to the one we looked at earlier in Leviticus. And you could use this as a proof text to say, here's another example of how we should remember where we were and it can help us understand where people are today. And I think you can use this for that. In fact, I think in part, that's what it's doing here. But now let's look at it in the bigger context. In the bigger context, it comes from the Ten Commandments. In the bigger context, it comes specifically from the commandment about honoring the Sabbath. Let's take a look in a little bit broader context, starting with verse 12. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day, is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant, your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Can you use this passage appropriately to say, yeah, remember that you were slaves and remember what that was like and let's do the best we can to help people get out of that situation? Yes, and, 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 and. This passage about remembering, it can also help us remember that God is with his people. He's with his people and he is good and he is mighty and honoring the Sabbath every seven days can help us remember this. All right. Well, of all the things I've said so far, I think this next point is the most important point to remember as we go into 2020. Here it is. If you point to a date on the calendar or a place on the map, remember God can be found there. Can I get an amen to that one? Any date, any date that you could put on the calendar, any place you can find on a map, God is present there, or at least he can be found there. And what we'd like to do this morning now is to defer some of the sermonizing. You know, normally what we do at this point, we dig deeper into this with the presenter, you know, of, for about 15 minutes or so. But what we'd like to do instead is to hear some stories, some people who experienced God in 2019 in a variety of different settings. And it's our hope that by looking back in this way, it's going to remind us that whatever comes our way in 2020, whatever comes our way, the same God who's been with us in the past, he's going to be with us then too. First up, we got the Lindsays, and we're going to hear how they experienced God in
1: Mexico. So let's
2: watch.
0: This one comes on
2: video. Oh, we are at
1: el hogar, la hogar, de niños, Emanuel, in uh, Ciudad Juarez, Mexico.
3: All right. Hi, I'm Sarah Lindsay, and I came down with my husband, Mike, and my daughter, Andrea, and my niece, Elise. And this is my first time here.
1: So, hey, I'm Mike uh, Lindsey, and um, this is my first trip to uh, Emmanuel Children's Home. Uh, I uh, was very excited um, for a lot of reasons to come on this trip. Um, Sarah and I, my wife and I have um, been on a lot of trips, primarily to Mexico.
3: A year ago, we started coming to Emmanuel Covenant Church, and it was that the Sunday that was our first time was the Sunday that the the team was down here in Juarez, and so Jason, Pastor Jason and Pastor Chris were there, so they were gone, and they shared um, about the mission trip a little bit and about Emmanuel Covenant Church that Sunday, and it was um, and the partnership that. our church has with the children's home and it was that sunday that i was just super impressed with that relationship i was super impressed that both of the pastors um, were on the missions trip um, instead of back home and that just really really meant a lot and i remember telling my husband next summer i want to go
1: we were very very excited we both looked at each other and said we're going
3: So here we are, Um, it's been an amazing experience and um, I think really, really what has impressed me the most is... Uh, The people here, the staff here, like everyone from the maintenance guys to the cooks, to um, the hermanos and the hermanas, the ones that take care of the kids, they just have a love for the kids and it just makes me feel good that even though we have come down and we want to show them that we love them, we can leave here knowing that they are still being cared for even better than we could ever. and that they are in such good hands.
1: My wife and I have seen different organizations in Mexico that that work with kids, and um, this one blows them all out of the water in how it's run, in uh, the way that the leaders lead, and um, just the the love for the kids. Uh, it's been been super cool to to watch that, and it uh, just makes us even more excited to be a part of just a tiny little part of what's already going on here Um, a lot of times in short term missions we get it inside our heads that we're bringing jesus to a place and it's clear that jesus has been here for a long time and that he's been uh, at work uh, in the lives of countless kids and countless families uh, through the ministry of emmanuel uh, children's home
3: Like, for me, everything is awesome. Eating their food is awesome. Playing with the kids is awesome. Um, Trying to talk to the the workers has been beautiful. Um, Even just looking around the city, like, during the day. and at night, seeing the lights is just beautiful. Like Some people wouldn't see this place as beautiful because it's dry and hot and there's no green grass, but um, it's all about the people and and how yeah, we can just see the love of Christ in them. Thanks, God, for
1: our brothers um, Levi and David for bringing us up here this morning and for the beautiful view of your city, uh, Juarez. Uh, Lord, we're so grateful that we get to be here. It's a, it's a privilege and an honor to interact with your people partner with you in your work here. And the last thing that uh, I wanted to mention, and this is this is pretty personal, but maybe it will bless somebody. Um, I have worked in short-term missions for a long time. Um, I have trained leaders at a, at a Christian university um, to lead teams on short-term missions, and I have, uh, to be honest, grown... Uh, A little skeptical um, over the years that uh, short-term missions is actually a valid and valuable um, ministry Um, and so I came down here with a little bit of skepticism in the back of my mind Uh, is it really worth the money Uh, why wouldn't we just spend them send send the money that we're spending on airfare and all the travel arrangements why wouldn't we just send that to the ministry um, so that they can use it um, to you know they need money so why are we spending thousands and thousands of dollars to go down there for a week um and so and i know that i've over the years i've spoken with other people that share that skepticism um and so uh, this week has gone a long ways to remind me that as long as short-term missions is about relationships with the uh, the hosting ministry as long as relationships um, and partnership is at the center of short-term missions uh, it is easily worth the investment of both time and energy effort Uh, it's easily worth the sacrifice of all those things and the sacrifice of our own comfort um, in order to encourage and empower and come alongside people that are in the trenches day in and day out. Um, uh, I, I put myself in their place, and I can't imagine how encouraging it would be to, to know that there are other people who also think that this is a big deal, uh, the ministry that they're pouring themselves into, uh, to know that there are people that also love kids, Um, uh, who also want to uh, provide a better circumstance for these kids and and give them opportunities to um, uh, grow and develop in healthy ways and even pour back into their own communities, um, that is easily worth the investment. Um, and, And I needed that reminder after growing skeptical and even maybe jaded. Uh, towards short-term missions so uh, I guess that has to do with the heart of the goer um, as well as the organization that we're partnering with Um, if they're doing it for the right reasons and we're doing it for the right reasons what a beautiful uh, representation of the body of Christ Um, yeah so that's been really impactful for me and and really needed Um, so I'm so grateful for this opportunity. I'm so grateful for Emmanuel Children's Home. I'm so grateful that uh, our church, uh, our new church, which we're uh, feeling so blessed by, uh, we're so encouraged and excited that uh, that there's a strong partnership, a long-standing partnership there, and we're excited to be a part of it for years to come. Amen.
3: So it's been great. I want to come back.
0: bring back memories for some of you who've been there. You know, I loved what Mike said he, about how, um, I love so many of the things that Mike said, but I really loved how he said, you know, a lot of times we think, oh, we're bringing Jesus there. He's already there, right? You know, and in 2020, we're going to bring three teams down. So we'd invite you if you want, come experience God with us down in Mexico. But that's not the only place you can experience God, right? We also are going to spend a little time here talking about camp. Because those immersive experiences where we just get away from everything and we can really focus on experiencing God, those can be powerful too. And to share a little about that, we have Addie Brandt. So um, Caitlin and Addie, why don't you guys get up and get to place? Um, Addie's a seventh grader at Chippewa, and she's been attending quite a few of our camps, which is awesome. And she's going to share a little bit of how God can be experienced right there at camp.
4: All right. Uh, so, Addie is awesome. Addie's one of our seventh graders. All of our seventh grade girls, all of our students are awesome. Uh, I got a chance to hang out with our seventh grade girls' small group, their small group leader, Maria Iberg, uh, had a party at her house Friday night for all these girls, and they are hysterical. They remind me of what was good about seventh grade, right? Uh, which is hard, because you look back at seventh grade a lot, and you go, ooh, those were awkward years. But they remind me of, like, the, the good, fun moments of seventh grade. Uh, and, and Addie... <laughs> oh, I, I did pull up a few pictures. I'm really sorry for that one. My bad. <laughs> but, but Addie is one of those students uh, where I feel like every week we have, we have a new Addie story of, of the way that Addie is experiencing God in her life. And so we asked Addie to come and share a little bit about uh, how she's experienced God at camp. For those of you who don't know, we have a, a snow camp. Uh, That's coming up here this January and February. We have a preteen one and a middle school one and a high school one. And then we we go up in the summers with Covenant Pines and go to their summer camps. And then in the fall, we just launched this year a fall camp. And Addie is three for three this year. So Addie, what are some of the ways that you experience God at camp this year?
5: Um, Well, definitely at snow camp. It was definitely the first time where worship wasn't me saying words. It was like talking to God. Um I felt his presence a lot through that. And also he just, he made a lot of stuff click. Like I was at snow camp and I was thinking a lot about what I can be doing now, which is really important, of course, but it's never too early to start thinking about the future. And I realized that I had been given the gifts that I'm going to be a pastor yeah, you are. And <laughs> yeah, I am. Keep going. <laughs> so, and just a lot of questions I had kind of made sense. Yeah. So, yeah.
4: I think that's one of the beauties that we talk about at camp, right, is, is you get out of sort of your, um, I, I, I hesitate to use the word normal life, but you get out of school and, and you put your phone away and you get to say, okay, God, what are you calling me to now? And what are you calling me to in the future? Now, one thing I noticed from winter camp is you have a wristband on that says done squatch. And for people who don't know what done squatching means, tell us a little bit about that wristband. So it's kind
5: of a metaphor for people who are searching for Sasquatch and they'll spend their whole life looking for it and they're never going to find it. But with God, like he's always going to be there and he's like, you can find him. So at the beginning of the retreat, we got paper wristbands that said, gone, Squatching," And then at the communion service, um, they were cut off. And then we got rubber ones that said, "Done squatchin'. So it's a metaphor for done following after the things that are never
4: going to deliver. Mm, that's awesome. And then summer camp, what are some highlights for you of ways you've experienced God at summer camp?
5: Summer camp was definitely the scenery because those sunsets are so pretty, and it's amazing to think that God made that, that he did that. And I also met some really incredible people who made me better people,
4: so... That's awesome. So this year, we launched this brand new fall camp that was just a blast. We had so much fun. And Addie uh, was one of my sermon illustrations. So Addie, tell us a little bit about that and, and, and how a sermon illustration kind of spoke to you about your relationship with God.
5: So I did this thing where I stood on chairs, one leg on one and one leg on the other. And they were slowly pushed apart, and it got to this point where... They had to catch me because I was I was gonna fall, so that shows that you can't live in both worlds. It's not, well, I'll I'll have God's stuff at church, but after school I'll be a different person. It's you can't you can't cherry pick what you do with Christianity. It's a package deal. You, it's everything or nothing. So,
4: yeah. That's awesome. So, so one of the things that I think is cool uh, about Addie is with these pastoral gifts, uh, she's using them right now. And so, what are some of the ways that coming out of camps or coming out of youth group uh, that you are like applying what you've learned into your life right now?
5: Well, it's a lot about, you know, when I'm walking into the world, like how am I going to do something that's going to honor God, and. Also, just all these camps have given me a lot of peace with what I do. Mm. And like right now, like I'm not really that nervous because yeah. I'm like, <laughs> it's all good. You're with
4: family. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Love it. That's awesome. Uh, wise beyond her years, right? Uh, I mean, she, we could just let her preach right now. Um, thanks so much, Addie. If we could all thank Addie for, for being brave. Thank you.
0: Uh, thank you. Oh, you know, it, when, you, when you look out, and I watch trends a lot, you know, you look out the trends and they could make you really unsettled as you start to think of what's happening, you know, with young people. But we have so much hope. We got so many great young people around here. And we want to invite you too. this whole idea of getting away to camp can be a place where you can experience God. And so many of you did in so many different ways. And coming up this coming year, we have a lot of opportunities for preteens, middle schoolers, high schoolers, men, women. We encourage you to experience God with us that way. Well, you don't have to go to Mexico. You don't have to go to camp. God can be experienced right here in our own backyards, right here in our homes. And that's the next one we're going to talk about a little bit. So we're going to have Ryan and Sharon come up, and and Pastor Jason heads up our small church initiative, and they're going to share a little bit about experiencing God with that.
6: Thank you. Yes. Yes. The Steens, actually, Ryan and Sharon, <clears throat> were among the first, uh, they were kind of the early adopters of small church. They were one of the first ones that was formed, uh, and it was formed of a group of people that didn't necessarily even really know each other uh, before that. There was like a pair of sisters, and then everyone else didn't really know anybody else uh, that much. So tell me just a little bit about what small, for those of us who are new, or perhaps don't know what this is, tell us what small church is, and kind of what it looked like for you. Yeah, so first off, Eddie, um, thank you for
2: that, and it's hard to follow, um, and Covenant Pines, I was there the first time. I was thinking about that fifty years ago.
7: How old are you?
2: Well, I'm old.
6: <laughs> but, so usually thirty five years old. That's yes, right it. That's
2: right. But now I go back and I had the experiences with Man Camp, and so Camp is just an awesome place. And so thanks for sharing that too. Um, so uh, small church, small church at Emmanuel is um, three main things. It's geographical. Uh, because we want ECC to be in our neighborhoods, and we are in White Bear Vadness. that's where we are. And secondly, we want it to be um, uh, intergenerational. And so our small church goes from the youngest is now three to retired. And so it's great to have that extension, And because that's God's family. And then thirdly, uh, is we want to be invitational. And so we want to be open and inviting to bring others into the small church. Uh, in fact, recently we memorized um, from Romans 15:7. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God, as a reminder for us. And uh, that invitation has led to a small church that is now uh, 16 adults and 9 kids.
6: Which isn't very small. and sounds like a lot of chaos. <laughs> it and it's
2: awesome. Um, but small church, the strategies are to eat, be, grow, and serve. And so a little look behind the scenes for our small church. We meet uh, in our home in Vadness. It's uh, two to three times a month. And when we meet, it's for a couple hours. We start with food. Uh, and we have a treat that's shared, and once a month, we try to gather and have a potluck, and, and um, further food on that. And then when we gather, when we're eating, it's the bean time. It's just uh, learning or listening to each other, learning about what's happening in people's lives and sharing that. And then we have a teaching time, and it's great. We have the opportunity to have uh, notes from the message each week. And Jason's great about putting that together for us that gives us talking points and the things to talk to. Makes it very easy to have a conversation to dig deeper into the word. And then the last part is we share each other's with each other prayer requests and support each other and pray for each other. And we've had so many uh, amazing uh, answers to those prayers for these last couple of years. So that's a snap uh, shot behind the scenes. Okay, so
6: it's eat together, grow together, be together, and serve together. And eating, that's fairly obvious, we'd all do that. Uh, with a group that size, though, uh, how, how do you find ways to serve together when you've got three year olds and retired folks and everything in between?
7: Yeah, that's a really good question. And, and actually, the be and serve are really related, all of these are related. We think of being as serving each other, and we think of serving as serving outside the walls of our home. And so um, we have just done life together over the last several years. These people truly have become my family, our family. I hope we're family together. Um, but we've got this group me app, and we get in touch with each other on a regular basis. And it might be Prairie Quest. It might be I'm stuck in a snowbank, in which case another person comes and rescues you. Might be. I need
6: prayer, but also a shovel. I mean, <laughs> And a tow truck, <laughs> yeah, yeah. another
7: truck to pull me out. Um, my snowblower broke. Do you have a snowblower or, or some extra shovels that you can come along and help? Um, it was, my dad has been diagnosed with cancer, and it's prayer and encouragement and babysitting. It's house sitting. It's, um, I'm going sledding. Anybody else want to come along? I'm going to cup and co. Anybody want to come along? So it's just kind of been doing life together as an extended family. And as um, we did that for each other and with each other, um, one of the things that occurred in, um, happened to be our neighborhood, we had a neighbor who was um, had a cancer issue, and she was going for dialysis three times a week, and she needed a kidney transplant. And while she was going through that, her husband was dying of COPD. And it was a long road for them. And as we, through the years, prayed for them and encouraged them, um, after she got her kidney transplant, he th- shortly thereafter died. And that fall, our small church decided to... Um, Be the hands and feet of Jesus for that family. And so we got everybody together, a couple of trucks, lots of kids, lots of adults, and raked up their yard full of leaves. And I don't know, we took two or three truckloads plus many bags of leaves away from their home. It was just a way to bless somebody in the neighborhood. Um, Another thing we did is we went uh, to Serenity, um, which is a care center in White Bear Lake, a senior care center, And we brought everybody, kids and all, and we caroled, which was fun. But the best part was the the younger ones had made, they had handmade ornaments, right, you guys? And as we sang, they would go to each person and give them a choice of which ornament they wanted. And you should have seen smiles on those people's faces. It really was just an incredible blessing. And a situation where, you know, even the little ones are the church. And they can sometimes minister in ways way beyond what we adults can do. And another thing the kids did, um, one of the families um, had some trees they had to cut down in their yard, and so the dad sliced the tree branches into little circles, and mom baked them, and the kids spent hours painting these things, making ornaments, and then they wanted to sell them, because they're raising money to buy a goat for a family through Compassion International. So just to be able to be a part of that, and to be a part of um, each other's lives through picnics, and coop games, and and, all and kinds Apparently of camping
6: things. and all kinds camping. of fun things. According to the pictures,
7: camping, camping right? together. Yeah,
6: yeah, absolutely. So there's lots of fun times. Uh, we saw some of those in the pictures, and I know of lots of other ways that you've talked about serving and going and helping families after tornadoes and all that kinds of stuff. But as Chris said, 2019 has been, for a lot of people, a difficult year, and that's certainly not an exception for you or the members of your small church. Tell us a little bit about how you walked through this last year uh, as a community. Yeah, uh,
2: end of 18 uh, and into 19, I had a uh, surgery shortly before Thanksgiving at 18. And, uh, there were complications. It led to me actually being in the hospital for, for six weeks and, uh, missed Thanksgiving, missed Christmas. Um, and these, our small church was our, uh, just our, a comfort. And, uh, they came, they brought food, they brought gifts, they visited in the hospital many times and they, um, They came. Talk about caroling. They came and they carolled for me, uh, and
7: on Christmas day. On
2: Christmas day, and it was just such a. uh, I just needed that pickup, and uh, so that's just how they've ministered so much in our lives and cared for us.
6: Yeah, you were really careful to point out they didn't minister, they didn't carol for you they caroled with you because you're a singer and you wanted, I to, wanted sing, to sing even though you had yeah, like the, the tube and the throat and stuff yeah <laughs> he, anyway.
7: he was missing a pretty big range <laughs> <laughs> kind of like puberty.
6: <laughs> so, I mean, this sounds a lot more like family uh, than than just some friends from church. Um, how how what's next for you guys? How can more people experience what you guys have found?
7: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, they truly have been family to us in every sense of the word. And I don't know what we would have done without them over this last couple of years, actually, which have been pretty tough. Um, so we, we began a conversation last September. Um, how can more people experience this? Because we'd been invitational and we were full. You know, our house really has its limits. And so what could we do? And um, we came up with a plan to multiply, we're giving this a shot, So we are now two groups, and both of those groups have more than filled again. And then there's a third white bear group that started. So now there's three kind of white bear badness groups. So we're very, very excited about that. Um, And, you know, uh, depending on how God leads, it would be amazing to see each of those in a few years become then six, and maybe in a few more years become 12, and a few more years, 24. And you can kind of see how that goes when you multiply like that. Um, So that's really the dream, and I think... Now that we're two or three groups, we're going to try it once a month to get together still to serve and to um, encourage each other. And eat. And eat. My and breath, eat. most
6: importantly, yeah. Of course,
7: yeah. All right,
6: well, thank you guys for being willing to share a little bit of your story and your journey with us. Let's give them a hand. Thank you.
0: You know, I, I um, when I was sitting down there, I, I wrote this little note to myself, you know. Uh, we'll, we'll do the best we can on Sundays to give good messages, messages that are helpful, messages that apply to life, messages that take us deeper into the scriptures, including scriptures that we normally maybe wouldn't go to on our own. We'll do our best to give you great messages. What we also want to do, and probably even more importantly, we want you to experience some great memories over the course of the next year. Because as God done, done doing what he did you know in 2019 in your small group no is he is he done doing what he did at camp last year no is he done doing what he did in Juarez this last year no he wants to do great things he is doing great things and we'd love 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 we'd be honored to help facilitate some of that in your life messages do matter and when we come back um, this one I'm really excited for next time we meet in here We're going to be taking on blame, you guys. I'm so excited about this. This last summer, when we went into Genesis, we went into Genesis, one of the first things we saw is as soon as sin came into the world, what followed? Blame. They start ah, it was God's fault for making this woman. (laughs) Adam said, he really said that. You know, and no, it was the snake's fault. What would happen if we blamed less? I've been living in that since this summer, and it's a really good, good thing. So we're going to get started strong next year we invite you to to jump in with us. But let's, before we go to next year, let's seal this time with prayer and invite the worship band to come up. We're going to pray and let's use this song to really seal 2019 as a church. Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You've done great things. In a year that did really prove really, really hard for a lot of people, wow, were there some amazing bright spots. And they were bright because the light of the world did truly came, just like we sang and celebrated in this room on Christmas Eve. Eve, You did come. You are here. You are present. Thank you for being present with us. Father, we pray that we're going to experience even more of that in the years ahead, that we're going to experience more and more of your presence. So, Lord, help us to to seal what was an amazing year right here, right now, in Jesus' name. Amen.